Here's a few quick notes about the show. Southern Girl Crime Stories is a podcast focused mostly on lesser-known true crime cases, consisting of cold cases, soft cases, identified Jane and John Doe's, along with missing persons and murder victims. You can follow the show on social media, on Instagram at Southern Girl Crime Stories, on Twitter at SG Crime Stories, or search Facebook for Southern Girl Crime Stories. Please be sure to check out my YouTube channel for these stories along with photos of victims, suspects, locations of murders, and more. Hello, uh, my name is Brian BZ Douglas. I'm an independent journalist based outside of Cleveland, Ohio. I called this press conference today in order to bring attention to the allegations of prosecutorial misconduct against Senior Assistant Attorney General Dan Casares. I started looking into this story nearly a year ago, and it is quite frankly too big for me to cover alone. Dawn Marie Pacella was born on June 25, 1985, to Karen and Vietnam vet Edward Pacella, who went by Ed. Growing up, Dawn was described as a curious and high-spirited little girl. She loved playing volleyball and softball in school and was considered a very talented player. She quickly became a leader surrounded by many friends and family who couldn't help but love her stubborn wit and rebellious nature. In college, Dawn graduated at the top of her class at both Cleveland State and Cuyahoga County Community College, where she was president and founder of Phi Theta Kappa, a member of the National Honor Society's Dean List, and an important participant in the Criminal Justice Club. She became determined to help people who had suffered injustices. After graduating, Dawn was hired in 2008 by prosecutors Dan Casares and Mark Bennett to work at the Ohio Attorney General's office, where she served as office manager for a multi-jurisdictional mortgage fraud task force. When she wasn't working, Dawn volunteered with a disabled children's sports group and a food kitchen. She was such a caring person that she would use her lunch break to buy roses and pass them out at a local mall to people she felt needed them. However, in 2009, everything changed when Dawn was ordered to engage in less-than-ethical business practices for the prosecutors she worked for. They were prosecuting real estate broker Anthony Tony Viola for allegedly stealing $46 million in what they called the nation's largest mortgage fraud scheme. In December 2008, Tony's offices were raided, and he was indicted and charged with wire fraud and conspiracy to commit wire fraud. Instead of trying to play by the rules and win the case with evidence, prosecutors Casares and Bennett decided to play dirty. They first directed Dawn to attend a free Tony Viola event. While there, she was told to record conversations with Tony so prosecutors could obtain confidential defense trial strategy information about upcoming trials. They also had her write a check for Tony's legal defense fund so prosecutors could use Dawn's canceled check to identify the law firm's bank account and Tony's supporters. Individuals who assisted Tony's defense were then threatened with prosecution if they continued to assist in the case. Also, Dawn was told that her job would be jeopardized if she didn't follow through with their orders. 
things started to become more troubling between 2009 and 2011 when Dawn realized files were being taken and not returned. She also discovered that people were forging her signature when taking the documents. During the time that Dawn worked at the, at the task force unit, <clears throat> I mean, she's, I don't know, just she, she actually showed me pictures of the way they stored the files. And she explained to me how it was unprotected. They were stacked in the hallway. And she used to tell me, too, of how people would, would go in there and take files and she'd never see them back, put back. And there's a couple other, there's some, some stories that she told me that I just I didn't believe that it was what was going on. Anybody had access to those files? They were, they were just in boxes. Anybody could get to them. Anybody could take things out. She also saw a government witness named Catherine Clover accessing files and evidence within the office. Also, unbeknownst to Tony's attorney, Casares and Clover were having an affair. At the same time, Dawn continued to gain evidence on Tony, only to realize that the prosecutors were withholding exculpatory evidence against Tony that would prove his and hundreds of defendants' innocence. On April 1, 2011, Tony was found guilty on 35 out of the 36 federal charges and was sentenced to 12 and a half years in jail. The state prosecutors kept their evidence hidden because they didn't want Tony to be released from jail after his federal conviction. Dawn knew this wasn't okay and made her goal to set things right. On top of that, Bennett had been accused of allegedly sexually assaulting women and also helped Casares cover up his affair. In June 2011, Dawn quit her job and reached out to Tony and informed him of the misconduct she had witnessed. She then offered to testify about the prosecutor's misconduct at his second trial. In March of 2012, Dawn was subpoenaed for Tony's upcoming trial. Bennett and Casares had interviewed bank executives who said that lender employees were authorized to approve no-money-down loans and waive underwriting conditions. Seeing as how this information could lead to Tony's acquittal, both prosecutors lied under oath and in writing saying that the interviews never took place. However, Dawn had summaries of the interviews, called FBI 302 reports, and provided them to Tony. The information in those interviews proved that no mortgage fraud took place since the banks knew about the no-money-down loans. Dawn was then set to testify in Tony's case and 1,300 other criminal cases being prosecuted by the task force. So, if Tony were found innocent due to those interviews, so would the other 1,300 people. Casares and Bennett eventually got wind of this and began threatening her with federal charges if she testified against them. They claimed she had broken a confidentiality agreement, but guess what? She never signed one. When that didn't stop her, they upped their threats and ordered her to leave town. They also tried to intimidate Dawn's parents by showing up at their home and claiming they wanted to search for computers and hard drives. Thankfully, Ed wasn't intimidated and told them to go get a warrant, which they never did. Sadly, Dawn was scared of their power and began drinking excessively. 
In March of 2012, she left her apartment to stay with her parents for roughly two weeks because she felt unsafe. She was even parking her car in her parents' garage for fear of being spotted. In April, her confidence level had returned and she moved back into her apartment. On April 18, 2012, Dawn, still scared to testify, refused to attend court, forcing the judge to issue a bench warrant for her arrest. She then called the judge on April 23rd and told him about the threats that had been made against her. After that, he recalled the bench warrant. On April 24th, her parents visited her apartment and decided to pour out all of her alcohol to prevent her from drinking so much. The next day, on April 25th, Ed returned to her apartment to check on her. When Dawn didn't answer the door, he asked the maintenance to open it for him. However, they refused, so he called the police and asked for a welfare check. Due to the scary circumstances she was dealing with, this wasn't the first time her father had requested a welfare check. The other welfare checks had resulted in only one or two officers showing up. Strangely, six officers arrived at the same time, which made Ed believe they knew something he didn't. Upon entering her apartment, she was found deceased. They also found a window open and the heat set to 80 degrees. It was almost like her killer was trying to speed up decomposition. On top of that, three cell phones were found and her computer was missing. Dawn's family was not allowed to identify her because they were told her face was in too bad of shape. Strangely, the Parma police failed to collect the cell phones or any evidence for that matter. They also never canvassed the area around her apartment, never interviewed witnesses, never obtained surveillance video, and never coordinated any investigation with the medical examiner's office. Cell phone records indicate that an ongoing call was placed on Dawn's cell phone in her apartment at 4.39 a.m. the day her body was found. This is suspicious considering Dawn's time of death was roughly 18 to 24 hours before her body was discovered. So who made the call? While they found she had an excessively high blood alcohol level of 0.59, they never performed a thorough autopsy. They gathered no further evidence and concluded that her death was accidental. This is even more strange considering Dawn's parents dumped all the alcohol on the day of her death. Plus, no vomit was found, which would suggest she drank too much. Did someone force her to drink? Was her alcohol level a lie? Since police immediately believed her death to be an accident, they never even looked at the possibility of foul play. Of course, there's also the possibility they were told not to investigate. It was later discovered that on the day Dawn's body was discovered, Casares had suspiciously disposed of his laptop. Around this same time, it was also discovered that police never mentioned the three cell phones in their report. In 2022, Task Force Chairman Donald Cleland stated under oath that he directed Dawn to remove hard drives from the task force that contained evidence in hundreds of state and federal criminal cases and bring that evidence to her apartment. In addition, multiple witnesses have come forward stating they have heard Casares' family members discussing Dawn's murder. Despite all the new evidence and investigative recommendations by the county sheriff, the city still refuses to conduct an investigation. 
However, in 2023, attorney Kim Coral began assisting the Pacella family and asked law enforcement officials to reopen an investigation into Don's death. As a result, Detective John Morgan of the Cuyahoga County Sheriff's Office reviewed the case file and determined that the Parma Police failed to follow basic police procedure, which typically includes the collection of evidence and witness interviews. Even though multiple individuals had discussed Dawn's murder and Dawn's computer missing when her body was found, they also never made an attempt to retrieve the video surveillance from the apartment complex, which had cameras at the entrance and exits. The detective then recommended that the missing cell phones be located and the person who owned the number that was called from Dawn's phone to be identified. On June 29, 2023, Bennett faced the Ohio Supreme Court for accusations of inappropriate sexual advances towards an intern, but they have yet to rule on whether his license will be suspended. On August 30, 2023, Dawn's family and friends hosted a rally seeking justice in her case at the Parma City Hall. The rally follows the discovery of new evidence confirming Dawn was the victim of foul play and the city of Parma's refusal to investigate or allow other law enforcement agencies to investigate Dawn's death. They have even provided evidence in good faith to the Parma police showing that Dawn had bruising on her neck and her necklace was broken. They also provided transcripts that detailed conversations about Dawn's murder and the records showing that Casares destroyed his computer on the day of her death. Parma police told Ed that the case was above their pay grade and too political for them to get involved. They then promised to turn the case over to Ohio BCI's cold case unit, but have failed to do so. The evidence Dawn collected would eventually be used to exonerate Tony on April 25, 2012. Yale University Law School and attorney Kim Coral pursued litigation against former federal prosecutor Mark Bennett over the fact that he concealed an affair between Casares and Clover, knowingly used Clover's perjured testimony in criminal cases, destroyed evidence, and lost computers seized in televised raids. During that litigation, both the FBI and the Department of Justice admitted to making false statements about evidence in Tony's case. In 2020, Bennett was fired by the Justice Department and is currently undergoing disbarment proceedings. Following the second trial, an investigation into the collection and disbursement of restitution in criminal cases confirmed that the county prosecutor's office and the U.S. attorney in Cleveland collected over $15 million in restitution. At the same time, the land bank seized tens of millions of dollars in real estate. However, prosecutors never gave one cent to crime victims. Instead, they utilized funds collected in mortgage fraud cases to pay for airline tickets, hotel rooms, and laptop computers for prosecutors. They found on a ledger where payments were made to Casares. Tony said he expects to find out how the land bank took ownership of his house without paying one cent to anyone. He said the misconduct includes hiding evidence, utilizing perjured testimony in federal court, a romantic relationship between Casares and Clover, illegal voice recordings to obtain defense trial strategy information, the destruction of computers, Mark Bennett's cover-up of the Casares-Clover affair, undeclosed payments to informants, and the diversion of restitution payments and seizing property without a court order. 
In May 2020, Tony was released on house arrest after spending the last nine years in a federal prison. If you want more details about Tony's case, go to freetonyviola.com and check out their evidence locker, which includes 600 pages of emails between Casares and Clover. Sadly, as of 2023, Dawn's killer has never been found, and this case remains unsolved. Thanks for joining me today on Southern Girl Crime Stories. Please be sure to check out my YouTube channel for these stories, along with photos of victims, suspects, location of murders, and more. As always, your support is very much appreciated, and I look forward to seeing y'all next time.